Welcome to News in Focus with your host, Chris Long, president of the Ohio Christian Alliance. Stay tuned for an analysis and conversation about the issues that matter most to you and your family. Here now with this week's edition of News in Focus is Chris Long. And good afternoon and welcome to this edition of News in Focus. We're glad that you've joined us. We're going to continue our on-air candidate forum for the U.S. Senate as uh, here in Ohio, U.S. Senator Rob Portman has announced his retirement. So that's going to leave an open seat next year as uh, many are vying for uh, the candidacy in either the Republican or Democratic primaries. And, of course, the filing deadline is not until January, but the campaign is already fully underway. And there are a number of candidates that have jumped into the race on the Republican side. And uh, because all eyes will be on Ohio to fill the seat of what Rob Portman has held for the last couple of terms. Uh, And so there are a number of Republicans that are looking to represent Ohio in the U.S. Senate. And with us on the phone is one of those candidates. It's J.D. Vance. And, of course, he's an author. Many have uh, read uh, the books that he has written. And, of course, he's been a frequent guest on Fox News. And we're pleased to have him on the radio program this afternoon. J.D., welcome to the program. Thank you for having me. It's good to be with you. Well, uh, it's good to have you as well. And uh, I know that, in fact, I was just talking to uh, uh, a local county chairman this afternoon who said that uh, you had visited him in Lake County. That's a long way from Middletown, Ohio, up there on the lake in uh, Ohio. And so he said that uh, you had an opportunity to meet with the folks and stayed long afterwards to talk to a lot of voters. So let me ask you about that right now as you're working your way around Ohio and talking to different folks in the communities. What are you hearing from the Ohio voter? Well, I think people are generally you know, concerned about the direction of the country. They're worried about censorship and whether they're able to say what they want to say, whether it's on Facebook or social media or even at their jobs. I think they're worried about their livelihoods. They see that prices of things they rely on from used cars to food are going up. I think they're worried about election integrity, and they're also just worried about the crisis we have at the southern border because they know that you know, even though it is it is focused at the southern border, eventually what happens there comes up to Ohio and affects our communities. And, and you know, I, I, I hear about all those things, but I think one of the great things about running for Senate is, is you do just get an opportunity to speak to a lot of different people and get a sense of what voters are feeling like and how they're reacting to the news of the day, and that's, that's, a, that's a very cool thing. Well, it is. In fact, right now, the small group setting is uh, a very important uh, place for people to share uh, their thoughts and dialogue with each other. As there's been censorship on social media, people have found it to be less reliable and actually inhibited of actually communicating uh, with each other as they did just a few years ago. So people are now realizing even uh, they they you know they've turned off their TVs as it were because after the election uh, viewership is down. We saw that the Olympics was a thirty uh, year low uh, in viewership of the Olympics, but it just doesn't stop there. Uh, all of major television is seeing decreased numbers of viewership, so people have turned off their TVs, and uh, they're actually vying for the more community event. We're seeing that in our work. In fact. I think it's interesting for a lot of people on the local level that are getting involved in their uh, child's education. Maybe last year during the lockdown, one of the good things that came out of it, 
Parents had to sit down with their children at home and go over the textbooks and lesson plans and realized, oh my goodness, is this what they're teaching you in school? So this year we've seen a lot of parents show up to the local school board meetings and begin to ask some really serious questions of uh, the administrators and teachers, and yet they're seeing threats come out of Washington with the U.S. Attorney General issuing this letter this last week, talking about current news, uh, about that uh, if there's any threats uh, of these parents asking the teachers questions, uh, they're going to have FBI investigation. Have you seen the letter from the U.S. Attorney General that was appointed by Mr. Biden, and what are your thoughts about that? Yeah, I really think it's unprecedented in American history to have a sitting Attorney General basically making his own fellow citizens out to be domestic terrorists for participating in the political process. I mean, you know, one of the things that, that the great observer of American life, Alexander uh, or Alex Tocqueville, uh, once said about America is that we, we have these incredibly robust local communities that participate in self-government. And that's true at the you know, county commission level. It's certainly true at the school board level. And I see the attorney general is basically ganging up on American citizens, on American parents, so that they stop doing that. It's just really, it's really, really crazy. And this is especially true when you contrast this to what was going on last summer, where the FBI, the Attorney General, really couldn't do much in the face, or at least they, they said they couldn't do much, in the face of these nonstop riots uh, and, and, and looting and destruction of small business that happened during the Black Lives Matter summer uh, last year. And, and you start to wonder, you know, if these parents maybe threw on a Black Lives Matter t-shirt and were throwing Molotov cocktails at people, the attorney general might go easier on them than for protesting at their children's school board. Well, we're seeing a lot of people run for school board across the state of Ohio. In fact, in our 20 years, my 20 years of being involved with uh, the public policy group, the Ohio Christian Alliance, we are seeing more people people run for state uh, local school board than at any time and being involved on the local level and getting behind uh, those running so that they can take back uh, the, the local school board, because that's where a lot of things actually happen. And so uh, we want to encourage the listener Get familiar with the candidates that are running on this ballot. This is what we call an off-year election, although in Ohio here we do have two special congressional elections in the 11th Congressional District and also in the 15th Congressional District. So this November, some of you in the 15th Congressional District and the 11th Congressional District, uh, which will take in a number of counties in Ohio, you'll be voting for your next congressman because there's two open seats as Mr. Steve Stivers, a Republican in the Columbus area, stepped down, uh, retired from office. It's an open seat. And again, there's a Democrat and Republican running. That voter guide is on our website at Ohio Christian Alliance. And also in the 11th Congressional District, those of you in the Summit County, in Cuyahoga County area, and uh, of course there's a Democrat and Republican running there as well, and whoever wins these races will be your representative in Congress. So you want to go to the Ohio Christian Alliance website as uh, there are two special congressional seats to be filled. Uh, Speaking of that, J.D., uh, when we look at Congress right now, uh, some very interesting drama is being played out. The Democrats hold uh, power in the U.S. Senate, uh, and they hold power in the U.S. House of Representatives. Yet the Biden financial agenda, his uh, Build Back Better plan, if you want to call it that, uh, is stuck. So tell us a little bit about this large $3.5 trillion package that the House uh, uh, Socialist uh, you know, liberal wing wants to push through, but they're having trouble getting enough votes for it in the U.S. House. Your thoughts? 
Yeah, well, it's, it's $3.5 trillion on, on top of a $1.5 trillion so-called infrastructure package. They're talking about spending well over $5 trillion of the people's money on these various programs. And I really think that at the end of the day, these programs would remake our society. And importantly, they don't solve any obvious problem that we have right now. If you think of the border crisis, if you think of our continued reliance on Chinese manufacturing, we can't get critical goods in this country. One of the reasons why we have ships uh, docked off of our ports, unable to offload. Uh, we still have, of course, uh, terrible problems in our, uh, at our at our southern border. We have small businesses and, and uh, unable to hire people. And what this package does, I think, is throw gasoline on the fire of many of those problems. It certainly doesn't solve any of them. And I, and I think at the end of the day, if you're going to spend the taxpayers' money, you should spend it solving problems uh, that the country faces. And the, the, this just doesn't solve any problem that our country currently faces. So it's, I think it's, it's a terrible bill. Uh, the other issue is that I, I think it will exacerbate the inflation problem we have in this country. I mean, you know, I, I know a lot of consumers, they go to the store, they go to the grocery store, they go and try to buy a car, and they're seeing things get more and more expensive. Certainly gasoline is more expensive. Uh, the nonstop spending from the Biden administration is going to make all that problem, uh, all those problems worse, especially for those living on a fixed income. You know, if you're a 35-year-old worker, uh, rising goods is a problem. But if you're a 70-year-old worker and you have no capacity to earn more money, uh, it's an even bigger problem. So I think this is going to hit our seniors especially hard. Thank God a couple of, of, of at least reasonably moderate Democrats, Kirsten Sinema and Joe Manchin, are forcing the Democrats to go back to the drawing board. I still think they're going to get something, and I think it won't be good. Uh, but I, I think because of Manchin, it won't be nearly as bad as it could be if the party was controlled by you know, the Elizabeth Warrens of the world. We're talking with J.D. Vance. He is a candidate for the U.S. Senate. This is an open seat. Uh, it will be in Ohio as uh, Senator Rob Portman is retiring and not running for re-election. So the uh, Republican field is broad. There's like eight uh, candidates currently, and J.D. Vance is one of them making his way around Ohio and making his pitch to Ohioans. You're listening to News and Focus, a broadcast of the Ohio Christian Alliance. Uh, J.D., as we talk about some of the issues, the southern border crisis, and it is that, there's actually an invasion going on at the southern border. In fact, Governor Abbott is calling a conference of 11 governors that are going to meet with him in Texas. Because as you said earlier, it's not just a southern border problem. These people make their way, these illegal aliens make their way into the interior of the United States. I personally have seen U.S. government buses uh, transporting some of these illegals uh, here in northeast Ohio uh, just a few weeks ago on a Sunday morning. So they are making their way into our communities and they're starting to have a drain on uh, the public dole, of which many of us pay our taxes for. As you said, those on fixed incomes, those uh, retiring seniors, depending on Social Security, there's going to be a draw on the uh, trust fund of the Social Security program, and yet this administration wants to do wild spending uh, that actually is threatening uh, the solvency of the United States. In fact, we're facing a debt crisis. We'll get to that question in a minute, but southern border crisis, your thoughts? Well, the thing that people, I think especially those of us in Ohio, have to remember is that the border crisis is intimately connected to so many of the problems that we're having in this country. And I agree with you. It's an invasion. It's an invasion aided and abetted by the sitting president of the United States. And I think it's, it's the biggest failure of many failures in the Biden administration. But if you think about all of the problems this causes, so first of all, all of those illegal aliens will come into Ohio communities 
and compete with Ohio workers for jobs. What does that do? That drives down wages of middle and working class people in our communities, makes it harder for them to get by. Two, those people will all consume services, services that are very often stressed out in our communities. I talk all the time to parents who are finding, you know, finding trouble uh, getting their kid in with the right doctor. That will be made worse because you have additional people using those resources, people that our system just hasn't planned for and hasn't uh, really prepared for. And the third and maybe the worst consequence of all of this illegal immigration is the drug and drugs and the crime. Um, the, the amount of fentanyl, which is the main drug that's driving the opioid problem in our state, has been that's been seized has gone up 400 uh, percent in the last six months in this crazy. There's so much drugs in our communities right now that drug dealers are finding it that they have to lower their prices so they can actually get this stuff uh, out of their house and into the live stream of our community. What does that mean? That means more dead Ohio citizens. Uh, that means more crime in our communities. That means more grandchildren orphaned by the opioid problem. That means more grandparents taking care of those orphaned grandchildren. Uh, this is just a catastrophe. And it's unfortunately, you know, the, the, perhaps the worst part of all of this is this is not a problem that's easy to solve once it's taken root. A lot of political problems, you know, you can solve by getting better people, getting better policies in there. Once you have millions of unchecked, undocumented illegal aliens in your country, what that means is that for a generation, you're dealing with those people, you're dealing with the consequences of it. So we really have, I think, a few years to get a hold of this problem before it becomes the sort of thing that, frankly, my grandchildren, I'm 37 years old, I've got a four-year-old, an 18-month-old, I think this could be the sort of problem that my grandchildren are dealing with unless we get control of it. We saw last month where the U.S. government uh, basically imploded in our closure of our time in Afghanistan. With that, we saw planes loaded with Afghanis. And again, this wasn't a, a, uh, a uh, uh, process that was organized. It was actually chaos. We saw people just rush the gates of the Kabul airport, go onto the airfield, uh, and enter into these planes. The U.S. personnel did not know who these Afghanis were, and I've talked to Senator Portman's office today. Uh, the number that we have is 37,000 Afghan refugees that have not been vetted, that have made their way to the United States, and now are being uh, they're being either housed in hotels or they're being housed at uh, U.S. Uh, uh, military installations, but these people haven't been, some are already in the general public who haven't been vetted. They even may be members of the Taliban. This is a national security threat. Your thoughts about uh, the administration's handling of the closure of Afghanistan's, uh, the closure of the U.S. presence in Afghanistan? Well, it's one of the great unforced errors in the last, I think, 30 or 40 years of American public life. I mean, look, we, we had a situation where we had an airport that worked. We had an airport under American control. And instead of doing an evacuation from that airport where we could do it with some order, where we could actually screen who was coming in and most importantly ensure that we get American citizens out, we basically let that airport go into the hands of the Taliban and then turned Kabul Airport into our evacuation point. Uh, that chaos that ensued at that airport is, of course, why we lost 13 Marines uh, at the, in, the, in our very last days in Afghanistan. But it's also why we've got tens of thousands of unvetted Afghan refugees coming to our country. Now, look, you know, Americans are a compassionate people. I think that we, we, we are deservedly proud of the fact uh, that we care for people, that we look after people. And I don't think any American is opposed to saying, look, 
you know, the translator that helped out our troops, let's put that person in Pakistan or India or some other country uh, and ensure that they're getting out of the hands of the Taliban. But that's one thing. And what we've done instead, import tens of thousands of unvetted so-called refugees, is again, one of these problems is going to cause issues for our country uh, for the next generation. I mean, look, we have no idea who these people are. If you just look at basic public polling on the, the average citizen of Afghanistan, you know, 95% of Afghans believe that stoning someone to death is an appropriate response for certain crimes. 40% of people who live in Afghanistan uh, believe that suicide bombing is an acceptable way to solve a problem if you've been disrespected. Um, you know, what that means is that if you're taking unvetted people in from that country, yeah, you're going to get a lot of good people, but you're also going to get some very, very bad people. That's why you have vetting. That's why you have an immigration system where the people decide who they let in and who they don't let in. Instead, the Biden administration just ran in run around that process, let in a ton of people unvetted. And I guarantee that there are thousands among those you know, 40,000, probably more that will come into our country. There are thousands of very bad people, some of them verified domestic terrorists, some of them just people that I don't want living in our country. And I think most Americans don't either. We're talking with J.D. Vance. He is a candidate for the U.S. Senate. Uh, the filing deadline will be in January. And, of course, uh, the U.S. Senate uh, race will be of 2022 here in Ohio to fill the seat currently held by U.S. Senator Rob Portman. Continuing national security, J.D., China is on the move. In fact, uh, they have taken over Belgrum Air Force Base in Afghanistan. That The Taliban is now partnering with the Chinese in the vacancy of the U.S. A very bad situation for us, no doubt, uh, as there is rare earth mineral mines in Afghanistan. We lose access to that, and the Chinese pick it up. In addition to that, China is now probing uh, in the South China Sea, and specifically with Taiwan, our ally. And uh, just this last week, 150 jet fighters entered into invaded Taiwan airspace. Uh, what are your thoughts about China, and what should be the uh, U.S. response be? Well, I think China is the national security and also the economic threat for the next 30 years in this country. Um, and, and, you know, God willing, we actually address it properly. If not, I think that they have global ambitions comparable to what Nazi Germany wanted to do 100 years ago. And if we don't deal with this, uh, th this is going to be a problem uh, that, that causes a, a lot of misery and a lot of pain all over the world, including in our own country. I mean, look, the, the bipartisan stupidity the bipartisan mistake that we made with respect to China is that we decided that we would let them manufacture and make all of our critical goods. And the expectation is that in the process, they would become more like the United States, they'd become a close ally, and everything would work out. Well, what, what, what has actually happened is that China has become more hostile. They've basically tried to force their censorship regime through big tech on American citizens. So they haven't become anything like us. We've become more like them, frankly. And they also have an incredible amount of leverage over this because they make critical things that we need in this country from computer chips, which, of course, are made in Taiwan, uh, pharmaceutical ingredients, important you know, robotics, a ton of manufacturing goods that we need in this country, the Chinese control. So long term, unless we become a more self-sufficient and more prosperous economy, we're going to find ourselves basically controlled by the Chinese. We have the biggest economy in the world but it's not independent. It's not self-sufficient. And that has unfortunately been a bipartisan mistake that our leaders have made. Uh, Donald Trump was the first president really in, in a generation to recognize the true threat of the Chinese 
but, but, but it's going to take us decades to decouple, to separate ourselves from control of the Chinese. And if we don't do it, I mean, look, this is, this is basically, in my view, the end of our country. I mean, you know, imagine taking your kid to the doctor and wanting to get an antibiotic because the kid has an ear infection, but you can't get it because the Chinese control the manufacture of those critical drugs. Imagine trying to go to buy a car, but you can't get it because all the components are manufactured in China. We have got to become more independent because this is not a regime that's our friend. They are actively hostile to us, and the more they control us economically, the more they control us culturally. The more they can censor us, the more they can influence our media, our Hollywood movies, and all of that stuff is starting to happen. Why is the NBA bending the knee to China? Because they know that China is the economic power of the future. We have to change that if we want real independence. We have a few minutes left, and I want to turn to social issues right now. The Supreme Court upheld a Texas heartbeat bill, which would prohibit a, an abortion when a heartbeat is detected. Now the U.S. Supreme Court is poised to listen to another abortion case on December 1st. There is hope that it will be the striking down of Roe v. Wade. Do you support, as a candidate for U.S. Senate, do you support the abolishment of Roe v. Wade that legalized abortion on demand in this country? Yeah, I do. Look, I, I'm, I'm 100% pro-life, and I think it's important for us as a society to protect the life of the unborn for its own sake. We want babies to be able to be born with full legal protections in this country. But I also just think that abortion has turned us into a country where you know, we look at babies as inconveniences to be discarded instead of blessings to cherish. And I think that's really warped our entire society. It's warped our family relationships. It's warped you know, how we interact with our jobs. I, I think at the end of the day, if we are not a pro-family, pro-baby sort of country, uh, we're eventually going to go the way of the dodo. You, you cannot have a real country unless you support your families, and you can't do that unless you protect the life of the unborn. Very good. Again, this is J.D. Vance. He's a candidate for the U.S. Senate. To follow him, you can go to jdvance.com. Uh, is that the website for the campaign, J.D.? That's right, jdvance.com. Awesome. And of course, there's a, a number of candidate forms that are coming up that will be publicized. We'll be also following your campaign as well. Thank you so much for stopping by on News and Focus today. We appreciate the opportunity to be able to chat with you. Thank you, J.D. Thank you. God bless you. Well, again, uh, we have an election coming up uh, here this year. It is what we call an off-year election. However, there are two special election congressional races here in Ohio. The 11th Congressional District, which covers portions of Cuyahoga County and portions of Summit County. And that voter guide is on our website at ohioca.org. Also, the 15th Congressional District, that's in the central Ohio area, parts of uh, Franklin County and parts of uh, Southern South Central uh, Ohio, those counties as well. That's the 15th Congressional District. Current, It was previously held by Steve Stivers. He retired, and a uh, Republican and a uh, re- Democrat are going for that seat. That information also is on our website at ohioca.org. Uh, you can download and print those voter guides, share them with family and friends. We're also, in the coming weeks before the election of November 2nd, going to provide additional information on some local races. Uh, During the general election next year, we will be surveying the U.S. Senate, the governor, the statewide offices, Ohio House, Ohio Senate, and congressional races, and that information will be on our website as well. The Ohio Christian Alliance does not endorse any particular 
candidate or party, but we provide educational resources. So we report and you decide, but we do not endorse any particular party or candidate, but provide educational resources. And again, it's all available on our website at ohioca.org. Stay tuned. We'll be right back after these messages. Almighty God, our sons, pride of our nation, this day have set upon a mighty endeavor, a struggle to preserve our republic, our religion, and our civilization, and to set free a suffering humanity. And the soldiers who stormed the beaches of Normandy and the Allied liberation of Europe, on D-Day, all those warriors set out on their mission President Franklin Delano Roosevelt led our nation in prayer. The D-Day Prayer Project is an effort to add FDR's D-Day Prayer in its entirety at the World War II Memorial in Washington, D.C. This wonderful historical presidential prayer will be a lasting tribute to our World War II veterans. If you'd like to make a contribution towards the effort of adding this prayer to the memorial, go to the website at ddayprayerproject.org. That's ddayprayerproject.org. I'm Johnette Cruz, and I'm a busy mom. Then a friend told me about TrustBlueReview.com, a new website powered by the Christian Blue Network. She uses it to find trusted Christian-owned businesses. I checked it out, read the helpful reviews, and found a great family dentist. Now I use TrustBlueReview for all my family's needs. For peace of mind, do what I did. Visit TrustBlueReview.com or download their free mobile app from your app store today. The trusted source for all you do. Trust Blue Review. Will my kids like this dentist? Can I trust this mechanic? Who's a good choice for my upcoming remodel? I found businesses I can trust from TrustBlueReview.com. This company rebuilt our deck and renovated our bathroom. I'd highly recommend them to anyone looking to hire an honest contractor. The best dentist experience I've ever had. It's now easy to find trusted businesses in my community that have the same Christian values as my family. It all starts at TrustBlueReview.com or download their app in the App Store today. The trusted source for all you do. And we are continuing our on-air candidate forum, and we are focusing on the U.S. Senate race, as that is going to be an open seat as U.S. Senator Rob Portman is retiring, and it's going to be an open seat for 2022. The filing jet deadline is coming up in January, but the campaign is already underway, and uh, there is a broad field of Republicans vying for the seat to fill uh, the U.S. Senate seat that Rob Portman holds currently. Uh, there are actually some campaign ads that are running and let's go to one of them right now for our next guest let's go to that campaign ad i believe in an america where we kneel in devotion not disrespect i'm mike gibbons socialists left fake news and woke corporations have one thing in common they hate america and they hate our faith they want our money and our minds to replace god with government but the america i know kneels to no man i'm mike gibbons and i approve this message it takes gridiron grit to send these leftist losers back to the bench. Mike Gibbons for Senate. And with us on the phone is Mike Gibbons. He is a local uh, Cleveland businessman that is running for U.S. Senate. Mike, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me, Chris. 
Well, thank you, Mike, for stopping by today and uh, talking about the campaign. We're going to get into some of the issues right now. But first, I'd like to ask you, I know that you've been uh, traveling around Ohio, and actually you have a goal to meet with people in all 88 counties. I saw that on your website, and you're meeting with a lot of uh, Ohio voters and actually on a listening tour talking to them. What are you hearing from the Ohio voters right now? Uh, Well, I I think... uh President Trump is still extremely popular in this state, um, and that's fine for me because I'm, he's pretty popular with me, too, uh, particularly in light of what we now have in the White House. Um, but I'm also hearing that uh, people are concerned. People are concerned about very much about what uh, you just uh, were able to uh, to bring out in that commercial that you just ran, the commercial I've been running uh pretty consistently um you know wokeism is a very dangerous philosophy and and people are waking up to it uh you know a lot of people don't pay attention they don't understand they don't pay attention to what their kids are studying in school they don't pay attention to you know the very commercials we watch on television uh we're we're being subjected to massive social engineering uh, and, and the people that have designed that social engineering uh, are not in line with traditional American values or with, uh, you know, the Christian roots of this nation. And, uh, you know, their goal is to destroy those American values and try to help us forget what they are. And uh, they're trying to destroy, uh, you know, the, uh, the religious foundation of this country. And... And I think, you know, with that accomplished, uh, they can move toward their globalist, socialist slash Marxist agenda that uh, really under is underlying everything they're talking about. And when you say, you know, Black Lives Matter, uh, wokeism across the board is got Marxist roots, people kind of go, oh, boy, that's like throwing a bomb. It's not a bomb. It's the absolute accurate assessment of what wokeism and Black Lives Matter stands for. Uh, in fact, you can easily go online and listen to an interview with the founders of Black Lives Matter that call themselves trained Marxists. And 15 years ago, if you called somebody a Marxist, it was an insult. Now, if you call uh, one of the leftists that's out there a Marxist, they go, yeah, so what? That's the, uh, that's the theory that works. Uh, of course, it never has in human history, but um, but that's their belief. You know, when you don't read a history book, um, you don't know really what's going on with current events. Um, it's very difficult for you to uh, to judge any theory you might look at and whether or not it's workable. When you talk about uh, meeting with the Ohioans and their concerns, and of course, uh, you're referencing critical race theory that parents are learning that uh, they're students have been learning in school, one of the things during the shutdown, parents got more engaged with uh, uh, their 
children's education as they were home from uh, homeschool last year as the schools were shut down and they began going over their lesson plans and and it revealed some of the outrageous things that the school was teaching so parents began asking questions and they began showing up at uh, local school boards to ask questions about critical race theory about some of the sexualization of our children in a very young age and yet uh, the Biden administration through their de- uh, Department of Justice the Attorney General issues this letter this week and this letter was saying that they were going to start uh, policing uh, getting the FBI to look at investigations of threats that uh, local school board members were receiving from parents basically showing up Mike and expressing their concerns your thoughts on that well first of all I, I don't even think and he's the Attorney General of the United States how he feels he has somehow has jurisdiction over local matters is is uh, completely, um, you know, a, a, a huge question to me. I, I don't think the attorney general has any right to do anything locally, um, unless it fits, you know, some of the some of the things that he would uh, would have jurisdiction over, which would probably entail things like, uh, uh, you know, treason or, uh, or or something on that order. Maybe maybe with terrorism. This certainly isn't terrorism. This is this is an argument. You know, it, it, it strikes me as unbelievable that we have this going on where if you were to say, if you were to mention the Ten Commandments on a regular basis in the average public school, um, there would immediately be a complaint and, and it would be stopped. Um, and they'd rely on, you know, the separation of church and state. Yet somehow justice, equity, diversity, and inclusion, as is defined by the woke mob out there, has now become a value that all our children should learn. And it's based on a theory by a bunch of, uh, frankly, second-rate philosophers that, that uh, uh, are, are you know, casually studied as recently as 15 years ago and, and kind of rejected because it was, as, it, as they call it, it's a theory. But that's now being adopted as a worldview. Uh, it's it's uh, it, it, the, the hypocrisy is is beyond belief, and and certainly I think in the long run uh, we will win this argument uh, because if they can't teach kids right from wrong uh, and and don't want to uh, leak into the values that are supposed to be taught by parents, yet now they're teaching them a worldview that is merely a theory by, as I said, a bunch of second-rate philosophers um, that kind of fit with this whole Marxist takeover uh, narrative, um, you know, I, I think I think we're going to win. And, you know, wokeism, as we see it, and I, and I, rather than saying critical race theory, because they've used that as, as, uh, as a way to defeat our argument, they say we don't teach critical race theory. No, what they're teaching really is wokeism. Um, and it, you know, it's across the board. Um, I'm not going to get into the weeds on the political uh, history or political philosophical history of it, uh, but it it stems uh, from the people that found out that Marxism didn't work and they had to call it something different. Uh, they've taken the bourgeoisie and the proletariat out of Marxism and they've turned it into uh, to white males and every other identity group that uh, the Democrat Party represents. And, uh, and, 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 and this is what they're teaching as facts, as, as, as the beliefs that you should grasp and, and embrace as a student. And, and that is, frankly, against the Constitution.
and, and we're going to fix it. Let's turn to the southern border. During the Biden administration in this short a matter of months, we're seeing an actual invasion of illegals pouring over the southern border. Uh, anyone who's been watching has seen the videos and the coverage of literally tens of thousands actually hundreds of thousands of people pouring over the southern border without being vetted, coming over in the dark of night. And uh, there doesn't seem to be enough border security to stop them. And there's a catch and release program that the Biden administration, in fact, they've actually rebuked the um, uh, agents that were on horseback that were trying to stop some of the Haitians that are coming in a large caravan. Uh, there was something like 10,000 of them coming over. And so border security is at its wit's end. Uh, there's a porous border. The wall was stopped under uh, President Obama, uh, Biden. And uh, the southern border crisis, your thoughts on that, Mike? Well, it's, I think it's part of a plan. It's part of the whole Democratic power takeover. Uh, you note that in their uh, in their budget bill they're trying to pass with reconciliation, they wanted to provide a path to citizenship for illegal aliens. Um, I have no doubt that uh, if they remain in power, that every single one of those Haitians and every single one of those people from I believe 140 different countries that are that are now represented among them, uh, I think all those people will be try- they will try to put those people on a path an accelerated path path to citizenship. They know because, first of all, they don't know have any, any grounding in American principles or values or history. Um, they, can be, uh, they can be converted to the, the, the Democrat uh, uh, narrative easily uh, because they'll be promised payments. Uh, you know, it's, basically, they're buying votes. It, it's, it's a long-run plan, but that's what this is. Um, it was caused by Biden. You know, they're coming over in Biden for president shirts or Biden let us in shirts or whatever. But, you know, Biden's on, on the mind of every one of these. He is their uh, their savior. And uh, he's caused this rush to the border. But the problem, though, Chris, is is there and I've heard estimates. Uh, you know, Pew, Pew went as high as 750 million a few years ago. But there's at least 150 million that would pick up drop everything they're doing and move to the United States if they had the chance. They now have a method of getting into the United States for sure and being released. Um, I would believe that, that, uh, that the Democrat party could make the case that 150,000, 150 million migrants coming to this country would be good for the country. Um, obviously if you don't read a history book, um, you, you don't know any better. And I don't know many Democrats that have ever read a history book. So it's it's uh, it's a pretty scary thing, Chris. It's it's not just uh, the fact that we have had a couple million people come over. But once they turn this faucet on, it's going to keep running. And there's no indication from anything that's coming out of Washington that they have any plans to stop it. So it's it's. It's a very scary thing, and people that aren't paying attention are going to be very sorry. We're 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 uh, talking with Mike. People are. Yep, we're talking with Mike Gibbons. He is a candidate for the U.S. Senate, uh, and this is the seat that is going to be voted on in, in 2022. The filing deadline is in January, but the campaign is underway as the candidates are making their way around Ohio and uh, basically making their cause to the Ohio voters. Uh, we're talking about the border crisis, uh, Mike, but also. Um, 
we see that Governor Abbott has actually called a conference of 11 governors that are coming to Texas to discuss the problem of the southern border. Texas itself is considering finishing the wall along the border. What would you do to mitigate or uh, get control as a U.S. senator? What would be your efforts to stop the illegal immigration flood that's happening now? Well, I don't think we're we're talking about it enough. Uh, you know, I, I I can tell you my intention would be um, if if I do end up going to Washington and things are looking uh, looking pretty good with our campaign, but uh, I would I literally would do a, a daily or, or or every other day podcast because there's no news reporting that's going on that's consistently the truth, um, and and I think people in Washington. Or people in this country deserve to know what's going on in Washington, and we aren't getting the news fast enough. I mean, you you can you know, it's always a week delayed if you read you know some of the some of the magazines and journals that I get, um, and and you can't cover everything that's going on. But virtually every time Biden opens his mouth, untruths come pouring out. And, and he, we have to be able to respond to that. And because he has the bully pulpit, it's very hard to do. So you'll get an occasional interview on Fox News of a senator or a, or a congressman that can tell some of, some of the truth. But we need to have, you know, and maybe it's out there. And, and if any of your listeners know, it can give, can guide me as to what it is that I can listen to that that actually gives an up to date. Uh, account of what's going on in, in, in Washington, uh, I, I would love to know what it is. Uh, but I but I think we have to do that. We need to be able to communicate with the American voter. We need to let them know that Biden bait and switched us. He said he was a moderate. He's far from a moderate. He is the most leftist president in American history by a substantial margin. Uh, again, I sound like I'm a bomb thrower in saying those sorts of things, but it is absolutely the truth. Uh, the new green deal that everybody laughed about has been incorporated in his budget bill. Uh, you know, the, the left is drive the, the the leftist extreme is driving our country right now. I don't know whether Biden's all all there, uh, but I can tell you he never expressed any of these philosophies or beliefs prior to his election. It's it's uh, it's like the Manchurian candidate. Uh, I mean, he he really is is nothing that that he ran on and he's adopted pretty much anything AOC and and people that are almost laughable as far as their reasoning ability and 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 uh, their their grasp of of, of reality and, and and he's adopted their philosophies whole in whole the whole cloth uh you know it, it, it's literally t- he's taken uh the leftist extreme the Bernie Sanders doctrine and he's executing on it. And I hope America wakes up. I know I've awakened. That's why I'm running. Um, and, uh, you know, things were bad enough before Biden got in. Um, I think Donald Trump was a great president and, and he did a lot of things the right way. A lot of people had trouble with, with, uh, his, his personality. Uh, and and uh, I think people will, will recognize the next in the next election. Maybe personality isn't isn't the thing you got to be looking at. You got to be looking at what that person actually believes in. And it's unfortunate because as Joe Biden said, he believed one thing and he's doing another. 
and it's it's all a lie. We're talking with Mike Gibbons. He is a candidate for the U.S. Senate. Mike, uh, moving on to the debt crisis right now, uh, they're wanting to raise the debt ceiling, but inflation uh, is really running away. We're seeing high inflation numbers that people on fixed incomes are really suffering uh, at this time. It's only going to get worse as they want to do more spending, as you stated, uh, in Washington with this $3.5 trillion spending package. Uh, now, Joe Machen and Kirsten Cinema are holding it up in the U.S. Senate. Uh, the radical left in Congress, uh, Nancy Pelosi's uh, group there, uh, pushing for more and more spending. Like you said, uh, Bernie Sanders and AOC and the others, uh, but uh, it's being held up in the in the uh, Senate. So they're having to renegotiate in the House. It's actually the Democrats are in turmoil. Nevertheless, uh, we have a debt crisis in America, and we have uh, the debt ceiling problem. Your thoughts on that? Well, you know, <laughs> you have a man in Bernie Sanders who's never passed a bill in his history. In, in, in any public role, he's never been able to pass a bill because he was a radical leftist. He has now designed the future of our country. And Joe Biden is, is, is espousing it and executing on it. Thank God for Joe Manchin and Kristen Sinema because they're the only thing standing between us. And uh, now, now, first of all, I, I, in, in, in really what is the beginnings in fact, a pretty substantial beginning to, to a complete conversion to a socialistic uh, form of government. Um, you know, you have people like uh, Elizabeth Warren, whose whose whole purpose in in holding office is to kind of enact her vengeance on those uh, that have have done better than she has. It her her politics are politics of envy. Anybody that made any money, they got to give it up. Uh, and, and if you look at, you know, all her extreme views don't get into the news. But this woman would literally, uh, you, 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 if, if she had her way, you would not be able to, uh, to allow your children to inherit anything. Everybody would start with nothing and the government would have all the wealth. That is, you know, that's the makings. Of, of of many countries that have ended up in civil war and in violence and and she doesn't really care um, you know she she is trying to uh, to make sure that anybody that's done a little better than she has knows that she's in charge and it's it's a shame that a woman uh, would be put in that position and and, and be motivated by those kinds of uh, you know horrible uh, uh, motivations, but but I believe that's exactly what her motivations are. Let's turn to national security. China is on the move. In fact, in Afghanistan, where the, the U.S. forces have now left, of course, and the debacle of the departure of the U.S. from Afghanistan, but the Kabul, uh, you know, the um, Belgrim uh, Air Force Base, which uh, basically was run by the U.S. for the last 20 years, has now been reportedly taken over by the Chinese. The Taliban are working with the Chinese. They're going to have access to to 
the rare earth mineral mines now uh, in Afghanistan. But China's also on the move in the South China Sea. Uh, just the other day, there were 150 fighter jets that invaded Taiwan airspace. So they are probing, and uh, it would put Taiwan, uh, you know, the invasion of Taiwan at risk. Your thoughts on uh, China and the threat to the United States, especially now in the South China Sea and in Taiwan? Well, my thoughts are that we, that Biden uh, has demonstrated his weakness and his ineptitude to a degree that China is now uh, reinvigorated and believes they can do what they've all, they, you know, they've had this one China policy forever. They've always said that, you know, Taiwan is part of China. Uh, if I was Taiwanese right now, I'd be trying to get a, uh, a visa to move to the United States, to be honest. Um, Chinese control of Taiwan is devastating to the American economy. Substantial numbers, I've heard as high as 55% of our um, computer chip uh, market, or our, the, the computer chips we use in, in our products are, are produced in Taiwan. Uh, you know, we're now racing, I guess, to uh, to build more chip factories in the United States. But we've been caught napping. Um, Donald Trump wasn't napping. Um, Joe Biden's been napping both figuratively and actually, I think, uh, since he's come into office. Um, they see a weak president. They see what we did in Afghanistan, which was, again, total ineptitude. Nobody is, you know, every time we bring up the fact that this was a debacle in, in Afghanistan, the narrative from every Democrat is, well, everybody wanted to leave Afghanistan. It's not would we leave, it's how we left. Um, you know, the, the, the t who knew that when Joe Biden said he wanted to build back better, he meant the Taliban. Uh, it's, it's, it's unbelievable. Taliban now has the fourth largest helicopter fleet of any nation in the world. I mean, it is astounding the position we put the Taliban in. I'm sure they're going to sell that stuff off to China. Uh, the, Tal the Taliban are going to be uh, in, in, a, in a position of welfare uh, that they never suspected until Joe Biden came into office. And, and we are in serious trouble. The CCP, the Chinese Communist Party, would like to control the world. And they want to do it. And, and we're kind of falling right into their hands with, with our wokest uh, philosophy that is been being dictated by our government, by the large corporations and by the left wing, uh, fa falling right into their hands uh, because within the wokest doctrine is certainly the ability to have an authoritarian government. And that is what the CCP is. That is what they see as the right government structure for the rest of the world, and they intend, uh, you know, Taiwan will be just the beginning. Uh, they will have satellite nations uh, as fast as they can move into them. I want to turn to another subject here, Mike. Uh, we only have a couple minutes left. Uh, the Texas heartbeat bill was upheld by the U.S. Supreme Court. And uh, right now, the U.S. Supreme Court is looking at an abortion case that will be heard on December 1st. Uh, the, the heartbeat bill, of course, 
prohibits an abortion when a heartbeat is detected. That bill was upheld. It now looks as if this court will take on an abortion case that may strike down Roe v. Wade. Are you in support of the court striking down Roe v. Wade, abortion on demand in this country? I've always been uh, in favor of that. I remember studying it in uh, in undergrad and law school. I could never believe it. Uh, you know, and, and what, what most people don't realize is the Texas bill uh, limited abortion. It did not exclude it. It's been an outrage for everybody, uh, you know, on, on the left. Uh, but I can tell you, Chris, um, right now there are only seven countries that allow abortion at the level that Texas is allowing them. I mean, we are, you know, we are way overboard on, on allowing abortion in this country. Um, I think, frankly, that it'll end, they'll end up pushing it down to, to the state, and then you'll be able to pick and choose the state you want to live in. Okay, we, uh, we've, we've, we've run out of time, Mike. Uh, again, this oh, is Mike oh, Gibbons, a candidate for the U.S. Senate. You can go to GibbonsForOhio.com. That's GibbonsForOhio.com to follow the campaign. Mike, thanks so much for being my guest today. Thanks for having me, Chris. I hope... Uh, Thank you, my friend. Enjoyed it. I hope we can do it again. Absolutely. God bless you. Thank you so much. You have been listening to News in Focus with your host, Chris Long, president of the Ohio Christian Alliance. To learn more about the issues that matter most to you and your family, visit online at ohioca.org. That's ohioca.org. Thank you for listening. This program is sponsored by the Ohio Christian Alliance of Akron, Ohio.